Sagar and Marshall here. Welcome back to The Realignment. Count me as a, uh, a center-left moderate who believes in less oversight and less mo- content moderation and less censorship, okay? There's like 12 so, of you guys. I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> as a news yeah. consumer, here I am, center-left moderate, and don't censor my news because I'm against right. authoritarians wherever they show themselves, okay? As a small-L liberal, okay, that we should have freedom of speech and freedom of discourse, not not imposed by the government in, in, except in extreme circumstances. So again, that's kind of, that's why I think like when I talk about the lab leak theory, it I hope it, it it communicates to people that I actually have no agenda, that I'm not on any side, and that and I'm just trying to do the reporting. And my genuine desire, both as a journalist and, and as a human being, is to uh, advance the cause of uncovering the truth about how 600,000 Americans died. We are very excited to bring an awesome guest to you, who you may remember from The Realignment, from Breaking Points, from Joe Rogan's podcast. His name is Josh Rogan of The Washington Post, the preeminent reporter on all things Lab Leak, and that's exactly what Josh stopped by to discuss. Yeah, we are following up on our original conversation with Josh a few months ago for his new book, which you should definitely check out, Chaos Under Heaven. It's all about the U.S.-China relationship during the Obama administration, the Trump administration, and now the Biden administration. We should note, this is literally the best-selling book we've ever had other than 2034. So if you haven't checked out our bookshop already, go check it out. The whole purpose of this conversation and why it made so much sense to do a follow-up so soon after having him on is... Everything around the Wuhan lab leak theory has entirely changed the past few months. It's not just the Biden administration actually engaging on the issue. It's Stephen Colbert and Jon Stewart talking about this. This is no longer a cancelable or just weirdly non-mainstream conversation. It's really important that we as podcasters check our priors, re-engage with topics, do all that great stuff. So Josh is always a good time. Definitely go check this out. I know there's a lot of new people here, so let's just do a quick rundown. We've got the Realignment Substack in the show notes, the Realignment Bookshop, which you can buy any book that you want, including Josh's book or whatever, as long as you use that. It's a great way to help an independent bookstore during COVID-19 and actually helps our work here at the Realignment, so we hope that you guys will go ahead and check that out. Also, if you ever want to leave us a question, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Ask your question within all of that. What else am I missing, Marshall? Any other housekeeping items? Yeah, the most important housekeeping items is our ratings and questions. Now, as we promised you multiple times over the past year, we would stop pushing this so hard, but we've actually come into a bit of a situation. We have actually run out of questions. So quick re-up. We love to answer questions on the show for everyone. So here's what you can do. You can email us at realignmentpod at gmo.com with your question and a screenshot of a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you are not on Apple Podcasts, we'll be nice to you and accept your your nice comment anyways. We'll read a comment live on the show or something. And most importantly, you could also leave a question on the Apple Podcast review itself within the actual comment section. So not doing a question this time, but we'd love to come back to you next week with a bunch of different questions. But there's so much here. Great episode. We know y'all are going to enjoy this. Huge thank you to Lincoln Network for supporting our work. Let's just dive into this really great episode. Josh Rogan, welcome back to The Realignment. 
Great to be back. Good to see you, Josh. Likewise. I have a admission of cowardice that I will start this episode off with. When we booked you in March for your book, which, by the way, everyone loved. We have a bookshop. It sold an incredible amount of copies. So let's awesome. sell more and more and more this time. There was a what's bit the name of discussion. Of the <laughs> yeah, what's Chaos the name of the book? Under Heaven. Chaos Under Heaven. Oh, yeah, there I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we'll get this out of the way. Uh, Sagar scripted out the show, as we always do, and there was a lot of talk about a Wuhan lab and lab leaks. And I was like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. <laughs> this is, there's a lot of stuff here that, you know, we should maybe hit, but let's not go too far into it. I was, I was too edgy wrong. for the realignment. It, it, not too edgy for me. Not too edgy, not too edgy for, for me, but definitely a little edgy for But you uh, ran it anyway in an act of bravery and or stupidity. That's right. And as it turns out, uh, it was totally fine because we were saying common sense things uh, about the most urgent national security and public health question in the world. And now, like three months later, everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's totally fine. What happened? In the, this, this is the question then. This podcast happened. This is a watershed moment. People <laughs> listened to the realignment episode uh, about chaos under heaven and they thought again and they thought, wait a second, maybe, you know, I've been lied to. No, seriously, I think that was one of many events. And, uh, uh, a couple other things happened. You know, the Biden administration decided to announce that they were going to investigate the origin of the coronavirus for real. And uh, I don't think they're actually doing that. We can get to that later. So that was one thing. But at least they admitted that the lab leak theory was something that should be investigated and that they were going to look into it. So as soon as Joe Biden, at, you know, as president said that, and that was what, in April, right? So uh, right around the time we were starting to have this discussion, uh, it then became uh, the idea that the lab leak theory was a conspiracy theory was immediately destroyed because in order to believe that you would have to believe that Joe Biden was in on the conspiracy with Mike Pompeo right. and Steve Bannon and God knows who, you know what I mean. So just Joe Biden saying out loud that hey, this is not a conspiracy theory, we should look into it, and I'm going to make an attempt to look into it, even though he's not really making that attempt in earnest. I don't think, at least from what we see, that was a big deal. Um, you know, I just think the fact that. Uh, uh, all of these science writers sort of realized that they were uh, on the wrong side of history, that they had written a lot of wrong stuff that was looking increasingly wrong. So they sort of try to change their minds. And oh, and then as soon as the science writers tipped over and they, they wrote all these like horrendously self-serving mea culpas, you know, <laughs> I was wrong, but, you know, that wasn't my fault because I listened to the scientists like Anthony Fauci and Peter Daszak, and they would never lie because they're scientists and scientists are perfect. Yet somehow we all got it wrong, but we were right. You know, that's like their your average Don McNeil piece, which is like, oh, and maybe the lab leak theory is not so crazy. And then, you know, you had the same sort of like scramble in the media, right? And there was like every 27 media, how did the media miss this? And how all the lab leak theory just jumped to something credible from something crazy. And my point at that time was like, no, the theory didn't change at all. The theory stayed exactly the same. People changed their minds and they're trying to like justify it and sort of like paper over the fact that they got it totally wrong because they had a lot of source bias and confirmation bias and Trump derangement sy syndrome and groupthink and incompetence, you know, but Anyway, so then you had a whole bunch of fact checkers unchecking their facts. Then you had like all of these. So it was sort of like a bunch of dominoes all sort of tipped over. Then all the editors of these major newsrooms decided to like look back at those stories that they had approved a year ago. And they're like, oh, wait, this sounds totally wrong. And many of them, to their credit, made the correction. Some of them, to their shame and discredit, made the corrections without disclosing it. 
So here's you know what I mean? I know that one. I know that one. You know, when you make a correction, you got to tell people, right? That's the yeah. that's like otherwise you're not being honest, right? So I think like we got to this place finally where like, oh, okay, I guess it can't be a conspiracy theory because Joe Biden is probably not in on the conspiracy with Mike Pompeo. So that means that we should just treat it as a, uh, uh, one possible option, but then came the counter push. Okay, and we had like, like Wait, two Josh, weeks. One, one, yeah. Josh, one quick question before we get into sure. the counter push, because I don't quite understand this. What made Joe Biden or people in the Biden administration shift? Right, that's 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 the origin there. What changed their minds? Yeah, because they didn't have to make they that listen, choice. They might listen to the realignment. I'm sure that's one option. Uh, another option is that, uh, you know, a bunch of congressmen started to, like, complain loudly that they were ignoring this. In other words, the politics for the Biden you – know, when I talk to Biden administration officials about, about this all the time, as you can imagine, and most of them, especially the most senior ones, say always say the same thing. They say, we're agnostic about the origin. Like, we don't know. You know what I mean? They're not – bought into a natural origin theory or a lab leak theory because they weren't there at the time. They feel like they were put in a, a tough position by the Trump people because they feel like the Trump people went beyond the evidence uh, to assert that the lab leak theory was more likely than the evidence suggested. Nevertheless, uh, they know it might be the lab, right? So they're like looking at all that and like, wow, this is a political loser for us. And you've got like the squad and like all the progressives who spend a year calling the lab leak theory racist and that's a hard thing belt unring okay even though it doesn't make any and it didn't make any sense then but for, for a lot of reasons that we've already discussed in our last talk uh that's what happened and somehow yes. the lab leak theory got tagged as racist which is crazy because if you think about it what's more racist you know the chinese people eat bat soup theory or that like scientists made a mistake in the lab like i always thought wet the, markets and yeah oh blood everywhere wolves like oh, what? They get? they're yeah. eating pangolins and the big, yeah. they bit a turtle or, you know what i mean like that's <laughs> that's always seemed to be much more racist especially for someone like me who's traveled a ton in asia including in china and you see these markets and it's not you're not it's not the third you know it, it's a market you know they have lots of stuff in the market doesn't so anyway the, the point is <laughs> uh that uh then the biden people say well what are we gonna do what are we going to do? It's going to be so hard. The Chinese are never going to give us access. And my response to them is always like, tough, tough shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're, you're not supposed to. It's not supposed to be easy. First of all, that's not a it's three million people died, 600,000 Americans. And in order for this not to happen every year, we have to figure out how it happened. And this that means investigating the labs, even if the Chinese Communist Party doesn't like it. You know, and I, I always, I, I always use the OJ analogy. I'm like, what if OJ had just said, "No, you can't come into my house." You know, would we have just been okay? Investigation's over. No, you get a subpoena. You use some pressure. You use some tools. You do an actual investigation to get into the house. Okay, and you definitely don't let the best friends of the lab do the investigation into the lab, which is what the WHO did. Which is why Kato, I think Biden, Cato cannot do the lab investigation. At, nor can Robert Kardashian. Okay, and. <laughs> Even if they know OJ the best, even if they were <laughs> friends with him for the longest. And, you know, I don't know if you guys saw this, but something happened yesterday in the space uh, whereby The Lancet, which yeah. is like this medical right. journal that all these reporters followed down the wrong path, down the narrative of the lab leak is conspiracy theory. They forced Peter Daszak, the head of the EcoHealth Alliance, the best friend of the Wuhan lab, uh, to recuse himself from everything involving the origins of the lab, which is like a... You know, a slap in the face of this guy, Peter Daszak, who for a year has been on 60 Minutes telling everybody and their Aunt Sally that the lab theory is a conspiracy theory and you dare not talk about it and it's racist. And without 
while claiming he had no conflict of interest, which right. is absurd. So yeah. I think that the timeline on this is very important. Sure. There are dual narratives, which is that one of them is that the lab leak theory became credible and willing to discuss out in the public because the mainstream started to discuss it. Part of the problem, though, is that you're part of the mainstream. <laughs> I know. You work at the Washington Post, and you've been talking about this for a year. It confuses so what people. Was, right, but let's <laughs> retcon that actual timeline. What happened? So there's February 2020. Tom Cotton goes on Fox News and talks about Wuhan Lab. I think that was a seminal moment. That's when right. the media and people decided... It's over. We have to knock this down. As Matt Iglosius has shown, Tom Cotton actually never even suggested it was a bioweapon, but they, you know, they debunked the theory that it was a bioweapon and in process tried to debunk lab leak itself. Then there's a April 2020 around then, including your reporting, I believe, Dr. Brett Weinstein on Joe Rogan's podcast. Then there's this whole space of about eight months where nothing happens and New York Mag then covers it. So talk to us about that right. previous piece. Before well, New York Magazine, what yeah. happened? So I actually go into great detail on this in Chapter 14 of uh, Chaos Under Heaven, Trump, She, and the Battle for the 21st Century, available now wherever books are sold. Uh, so if you want like the really, really long explanation, that's where to find it. The shorter explanation is simply that uh, the lab leak theory and the origin investigation got fell victim to our partisan politics and then to our media wars, which in, in 2020 were one in the same. So if you were on the right-wing media or the conservative media or the MAGA media, uh, you, ha you were taking this lab leak origin issue and using it for your own political means. And then the mainstream media in a sort of alliance of convenience, not sort of like a conspiracy, but more of a, 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 a sort of a overlapping interest with the, with the Democrats and the Biden team, uh, took a position against it, which was a really bad thing to do because they lost their heads, because they lost their objectivity. And the ironic thing was that I'm an opinion columnist and I kept my objectivity, which <laughs> I didn't have to do because I'm allowed to be opinion. But bias and opinion are not the same thing, of course. So what I'm yes. trying to say is that the reason I got it more right than others was because I was doing the reporting that a lot of these other uh, reporters weren't doing because they just took the first narrative that they heard from Peter Daszak and Anthony Fauci and decided that it was the gospel and defended it like it was their own. And that's not how journalism is supposed to work. And they made a huge mistake. And what, you know, finally, after Trump left is really what created a new opportunity to have a fresh discussion about this, because at least one of those politicizing factors was lessened. In other words, Trump was no longer president. Uh, but we still had the media wars and it still became an issue of like the right wing media and the MAGA media dunking on the mainstream media. And because I'm in the mainstream media and I, I mean, I don't, uh, I just found myself agreeing with the MAGA media because they happened to be right on this issue. And I wasn't, I didn't feel any shame in like admitting that, you know, like I don't, it doesn't matter to me because I don't care who wins the media wars. I only care about you know, getting to uncover the truth. And if that means calling out some uh, institutions on on my side of the shop, on the mainstream side of the shop, well, I think that's really important. And I think that, you know, ma the mainstream newsrooms have yet to reckon with how they messed this up. And there should be lessons learned. And, you know, I've been working in this business for 17 years and I've seen all sorts of mistakes being made. And it's not malicious and it's not like a bunch of these newsrooms got together and said we're going to protect china or we're going to get biden elected that's not the way it works i'm here to tell you i've worked at eight different major newsrooms major media newsrooms newsweek and you know you name it bloomberg all of them that's not really how it works the way it works is that 
these people are human beings and they get caught up by their biases most of almost all the time unintentionally but the integrity is in first of all trying not to fall into that trap but second of all when you realize that you have being honest about it with your readers even if that means that like tucker carlson is going to dunk on you and that's what they can't take that's what the my you know and, and so that's why they ended up in this weird position now so where the the position is like oh well who knows it could be the lab it could be the thing mm-hmm. and you know let's just go on with our day and the problem with that of course is that it doesn't protect us from the next pandemic and yes you know and and the reason i think i i you know when i i sometimes i get criticized for going on uh, far right shows by the left and i get criticized for going far left shows by the right but i'm saying the exact same thing i've been saying the in fact the almost the exact same thing for the last year and a half which is not that we know that the lab did it but that we can't rule it out so we have to check it out and we have to check it out because the current plan is to sextuple that research and spend more taxpayer money digging up dangerous viruses and if the lab leak theory is true well then that's the thing that would actually make the risk of a pandemic worse and how can we have go through this for a year and and a half so far with most countries suffering much worse than we're suffering right now and then our response is to do something that's going to make the risk exponentially worse that seems crazy to me i can't sit here and not call that for what it is. And and the reason that we're still having that is because you still have major newsrooms defending this narrative, although yielding some ground. The Lancet will say, you know, now they put out, oh, well, we've got to f- figure it out and this and that. So everyone's repositioning themselves to cover their own asses uh, while no one is actually getting us closer to the task of, uh, you know, figuring out uh, how we get into these labs and how we get this data and how we get this research. Uh, which won't be easy, but you know we we can't even discuss that because we're still discussing Let's, why we were wrong a year ago and yes. how it's okay that we were wrong. You know what I mean? And what happened a year? You know, like even like, even today, you're like, oh well, let's take us back to April 2020. How about right. June 2021? Well, let's do let's, that. Let's, let's live let's, in June 2021 uh, for well, a let's second. Do that. For let's, the, let's, 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 yeah. let's live there right now because I want to go back That's to my the thought. OJ metaphor because it's actually sure. a really useful one, which is yeah. that. You're right. You wouldn't let Kato Cowan, you wouldn't let Robert Kardashian do the investigation. But at the same time, OJ lived in the state of California, which is a working liberal in the political philosophy sense state where there are rules and there are subpoenas. China exists in many ways, like outside of like the best version of like the international system, the WHO and other institutions have zero credibility when it comes to this issue. Talk us through we know it's difficult, but talk us through how this could actually look. Because I think the right. strongest case that people have is all, it's not even really a case, it's more just the skepticism. It's like, look, Josh, that's all fair and get, you know, dandy. I think those are really good points. But at the end of the day, right. China is never going to cooperate. So right. what next? So that's what I, I hear that not only from like Biden people, uh, uh, you know, privately, but also from Anthony Fauci publicly. You know, if you read his like his his interview with Kara Swisher, the interview is ridiculous because the guy is like, there's no virologists who say that there's anything in this, uh, you know, uh, virus that can that would point to lab manipulation. Okay, which is as far as I can tell, a flat out lie because he must know that Robert Redfield, a top virologist, took a look at this and took a look at the intelligence and said, I think it probably came from the lab based on the way the virus looks. You know what I mean? So there's a, a there's a, a, a the the newest cover story is well we can't there's nothing we can't see anything and we're kind of going to get into the lab so we're out of options. And so we should just call it a draw and move on with our day. And, you know, what I say to that is two things. One thing is that, you know, there's a ton of investigative work to be done here in the United States. And that's why 
all these congressmen are writing letters to the NIH and to USAID and to Andy Blinken saying, you got to turn over your books. We have to see all your books. EcoHealth Alliance, we need to see your books. You get, it was taxpayer money, right? So what, you can't hide your books from the American people and from the Congress, yet that's exactly what they've been doing. What are the projects? What do we know about these labs, right? And what were the relationships? And what do we know about that, what they were working on? And none of that has seen the light of day. And then the intelligence community has got to turn over its work too, because as the New York Times wrote, when President Biden ordered the intelligence community to go back for another 90-day sprint, they found out they hadn't even checked their own computers for their own Wuhan lab information. In other words, they had been collecting information on Wuhan and the Wuhan labs and never looked at it for 18 months. Okay, so even if we can't get into the Chinese labs themselves, we've got a ton of information on these labs and on what was going on in China that we've never bothered to examine, much less brought to the light of day. And Fauci and Collins are resisting this tooth and nail and they're fighting it and they're ignoring congressional requests. And because there are no Democrats with subpoenas who are willing to uh, 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 to speak out on this in any real way, they're getting away with it. Okay, but eventually there's going to be a Democrat who's going to say, no, 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 you're going to have to testify or we're going to give you a subpoena. Well, now, is there, though? That's the important question, Josh, because— I think we're getting there. Living- I think we're getting there. I, you know, I'm looking at guys like—I mean, this is, you know, none of them would say this publicly, but I'm looking at guys like Warner, the uh, head yep. of the intelligence community, uh, Senator Warner, uh, Robert Menendez. You know, these are guys with real national security bona fides and who understand the na- the nature of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, Kirsten Cinema did a resolution with Roger Marshall uh, looking into the COVID origin. Of, you know, she didn't have to do that. Um, the head of the Energy and Commerce Committee got like browbeated into admitting that like he should probably, you know, have a hearing about this. The COVID yes. select committee in the House is not looking into the they have a select committee on the coronavirus that is explicitly not looking into the origins of the coronavirus. So my, my point is this, is like the O.J. Simpson analogy is not meant to be a perfect one. All right. So let me give you another one. OK. Al Qaeda attacks us on 9-11. Right. In a, from a jurisdiction that we don't have you know, access or control over. And then we go to Al Qaeda. We're like, hey, listen, uh, can we please come into the caves and uh, and look around for like three hours? And then we'll get out of your hair. And they're like, no. And we're like, OK, sorry. Sorry to bother you. <laughs> Uh, no, we're not going to have a 9-11 commission. We're not going to look into the intelligence failure. We're not going to change our counterterrorism policies or any of that uh, because Al-Qaeda said they didn't do it and they're not going to let us into the caves. So I guess we have to throw it. That, but, 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 that wait, but, wait, but wait, I don't want to hold you too literally to your examples because yeah. we're just playing up metaphors, but it's just an interesting one because – there was a direct thing that we did because we just invaded. So we said, okay, you won't give us Osama bin Laden. We invade. That was the next step. Right. What okay, is so, the next? No, but so, I'm not saying no, that. It's, it's, no, it's, we don't know, but it's useful, right? What is the next step here so then? Like, Marco Rubio and Mike Gallagher just uh, introduced a bill to sanction all the labs. All of them right now, all the Chinese labs, basically the Chinese Academy of Sciences and all of their collaborations. In other words, what are we doing pumping American taxpayer money into these labs that won't even let you into the lab when there's a crisis that we need to check out, that delete all the data and censor all the science, and then we're, we're paying them to set up... The, we actually set up these labs with the French for years and years and years for, for the, to prove the efficacy of scientific collaboration with China. That was the project, that we're going to work together on pandemics. And then when the pandemic hits, they're like, get the hell out of the lab and we're going to delete everything from the internet. And if you dare to like even try to get into the lab, we're going to punish your country economically until you're suffering. You know I mean? That's what we're dealing with. So yeah, first of all, sanction all the labs. 
And that has a, a, a two-pronged uh, uh, you know, benefit. One is that it places pressure on the part of the system that's telling us to go fuck ourselves, right? And two, if they don't allow the investigation, then the sanctions become permanent and we cut off all those labs. Now, why what, do they the care? Si so if you're if so, this is the question. It's our though, money. We're funding all of all of it. Hundreds it's China, of though. Of China's dollars. a superpower. They don't need our money to do and that. And they research. need the know-how. Where do you think they got mm. the viruses? You know what I mean? Where do you think <laughs> so they got the technology? So, wait, wait, so quick, so quick thing. That's you know, helpful. I, I the whole industry, it. it's all our science. We gave them a okay. generation of well, science. That's what I so was saying. So it's not just to, to, so to clarify right. that, it's not just that we're giving money because that's a commodity. There's money everywhere. It's that we actually had intense technical expertise, correct? Yes. And I'll go one step further. The The allegation that the Trump administration made that the that the Biden administration actually confirmed, although you won't find this in the pages of your local newspaper, is that they had another part, section of the lab, the section with the military. In other words, a military bio-research program. That doesn't mean it was an intentional bioweapon. It just means that there's another part of the lab. So what they did was they took our technical know-how and they applied it as a dual-use technology, mm. like any other dual-use technology. And the way that you know this is because they wrote about it in their own language. You know, And so what they say in their own policy papers is that biotechnology is a warfighting domain and that this has a, a, a national security implication for them. By the way, it does for us too. We have our bioweapons program too. Uh, ours is in Fort Detrick, right? That's why they always part to, point to Fort Detrick. So it's not a crazy thing to say that they have a bioweapons program. What I'm trying to say is we built it for them and paid them for their trouble. And then when the biggest pandemic in the world hits in the city where they have this program, uh, they tell they give us zero information. There's zero transparency. There's zero accountability. It's in violation of all their commitments. And what kind of schmucks are we if we just say to them, okay, thank you, sir, may I have another? And then we give them more money or give them six times as much money uh, for them to go and build more labs with. And it wasn't just this lab, by the way. There was a what 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 my book revealed is that there was a network of labs, including labs uh, run by the Chinese military that were doing coronavirus research, you know, where they use mice to like sort of uh, pass it through with mice with humanized lung cells. And this is a whole industry that we didn't know about. Okay. So what's up with that? And, and why should we be in the business of funding that? This is what I want to get to with you, Josh, around gain of function itself. Crystal actually said something while we were all talking on breaking points the other day, which I kind of agree with, which is that this point, Look, we don't know whether it's true or not. I would say the preponderance of evidence does point that way. But maybe we know enough already to say, hey, this shit is really dangerous. Like gain of function research is really dangerous. Like right. should we maybe say and have some conversation around that? I want to talk about that point because you said something earlier, and this is something I've been trying to hammer home. The scientific community's response to all of this has been to quadru what did you say, six tuple down? on yeah. gain-of-function research to right. increase the amount of funding towards that. That's where, if in my opinion, if we're going to have a real focus, like that's where it all should be. Is there any actual effort in order to probe, discuss, reconsider, gain-of-function, not just at the government level, in the scientific level? Because I think that's where the greatest failure has actually occurred, is within the community itself. Yeah, right. I mean, 
I think, first of all, I agree with everything that you said. Yeah. And what you're referring to is something called the Global Virome Project, uh, which, according to its own website, is designed to dig up 500,000 new dangerous viruses from all over the world and bring them back to our labs, including Chinese labs, including the ones run by the ones funded by Peter Daszak and the Eco Health Alliance. Like, can you can you imagine the 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 stupidity if the lab leak theory is true of responding to it by building more and more and more and more of these labs and then right. trusting them to, to a bunch of Chinese scientists who just told us to go pound sand when the pandemic hit. Um, so yeah, so that seems like crazy. Now, what I see in the scientific community now is that this long simmering debate over gain of function research has now bubbled up to the surface. And, you know, what I, I've been talking to these scientists for a long time, and it happens to be the case that in the world of virology, the majority of the virologists like this stuff, okay? <laughs> and the minority of the virologists say, Oh, wait a second. Just because science can do something doesn't mean science should do that thing. Just because we have the capability to make viruses more dangerous doesn't mean it's a good idea. What's and the argument for it? The argument for it is that they're speeding up the evolutionary cycle to see how viruses might evolve in the future so that we can get ahead of the nature to plan our, our, our therapeutics and our vaccines. Now, the problem with that is that viruses change every day and in unpredictable ways. So, you know... Yes, you're making more dangerous viruses, but it may not be the type of dangerous virus that you end up confronting in nature. And also there's this risk of lab leaks, which happen all the time, which happened in, you know, they closed down Fort District in July. Robert Redfield closed down the lab there because <laughs> they weren't following their procedures. So yes. even in our labs, it's not like Chinese labs are, I mean, they are particularly bad, but every lab has some record of some horrendousness. And so if you're making these uh, super powerful, super dangerous viruses, the, there's a risk that it's going to, like, you know, spill out in Wuhan and, you know, then we're all going to have to live in our basements for a year and a half. You know what I mean? So anyway, um, now that that debate has surfaced, you know, it's just become sort of a chattering class discussion. And there's some legislation to reimpose the gain of function moratorium that Obama imposed in 2014 that Anthony Fauci so why got unimposed, we, why but the problem it? was... Why did we ban it in the first place, John? For this very reason, because like, a bunch of people were looked at it and like, wait a second, there's a risk this could spark a pandemic. <laughs> and then, but the, 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 the craziest part is that, you know, Fauci and some others and Collins... In order to get it turned back on, and I, when I the Joe Rogan show, I did I, I had some reporting. Now I have a lot more reporting on this because I talked to a lot more people. In 2017, when Fauci and Collins wanted to turn back on the gain of function research, they didn't have to prove. The requirement was they had to come up with a study that explained their new uh, oversight and accountability measures. Uh, but they, that study didn't have to be like they they checked their own work. So basically, the completion of the study turned it back on, and. That wasn't really – that was like the White House, the Office of Science and Technology Policy was involved, but they weren't necessarily like in charge of it. They just noted that Collins and Fauci finished this study, therefore it could be turned back on. And, th of course, the implementation of turning it back on was left to guess who? Fauci and Collins. <laughs> and so they built a board, an oversight board called the PC P3CO board, and then they ignored it. And then they defined all of their gain-of-function research as not gain-of-function research, so they didn't have to submit it all this stuff to the board. They like, and the stuff that they did sub submit to the board uh, was magically approved without any transparency. Can you put this in the context of Fauci's recent testimony with Rand Paul? Because uh, exactly, that was a very exactly. break the glass moment for me, where I was right. like, I was like, this guy's playing games. I was like, this, these are games. Fauci, Fauci yeah. comes in with his like lawyered public affairs statement, which says. 
We did not sponsor any gain-of-function research in Wuhan, ever. Full stop. And then Rand Paul was like, yeah, but what you called gain-of-function research, what you called not gain-of-function research, increases the function of the virus. So to any plain-spoken, common-sense person, that is gain-of-function research. And he also called him out. He said, the reason that you did that is so that you would avoid oversight. And so you totally neutered the entire accountability process that you built, which you must have known about since you built it. You know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, a lot of that got sort of reported as like Fauci wins against Rand Paul. But, you know, that doesn't matter. The point is that here was all this research going on in Wuhan, some of which Fauci should have known about, some of which nobody knew about. And we have to figure out both of those things. In other words, I don't think we're going to find that EcoHealth Alliance funded the virus created we're going to find that equal health of alliance was didn't know about that other part of the lab maybe you know and that other part of the lab is where the 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 super virus came out of uh but you know that just means that that doesn't let them off the hook it just means that fauci and collins and peter desic uh were, were failing to do their proper oversight and accountability and transparency uh that was their job and clearly they messed it up because to this day, we still have no visibility of what was going on on the other side of that Wuhan lab. Mm-hmm. I want to bring up something you said earlier where you were talking about a lot of this came from a desire to cooperate with China on big issues. Because right. zooming out, this actually goes to a broader debate in the Biden administration specifically about China. Everything from sure. climate change to future viruses. There's like a very strong not even argument, because I, I don't actually believe this, but there's just a, there's a strong contingent that says, hey, look, the lesson from COVID is that when we wall ourselves off and don't cooperate, all these big problems happening from viruses to climate change, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. What do you think this whole conversation means for those whole, means for those big debates? Yeah, no, I think that's great because it, that is the, the larger, uh, broader focus of my new book, Chaos Under Heaven, Trump, she, and the battle for the 21st century. You win the record uh, on, for most on sale now, sites wherever, wherever books are sold. <laughs> and uh, that is the arc of the book is our broad awakening, first in Washington and then in the rest of American society and then around the world to the reality of the 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 loss of, uh, of our bet on engagement with China and the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, in other words, uh, as Kirk Campbell, our White House Asia czar said recently, the era of engagement is over. And this idea that if we just engaged and uh, actually assisted, actively assisted the Chinese government and the Chinese economy, that that would lead them to play by the rules and liberalize first economically and politically, and that would solve all of our other problems and we would all live together in peace and harmony. That was roughly the theory, more or less. And, uh, you know, it's been clear for a lot of people in Washington for a lot of years that that wasn't panning out. But now, after the pandemic, it's clear to everybody in the world that that's not panning out because they're uh, not interested in liberalizing and because they weaponize. Unclear weaponized- if in Germany, though. It's not everyone. Germany, though. What about countries well, like Germany? Well, I think there are different awakenings at different paces in different countries. And if you look at where England was before the pandemic and where they are now, it's totally different. And mm-hmm. Germany is problematic, to be sure. But, you know, they're, they're, that's not the only dictatorship the German government is appeasing at the moment, you know, if we're, if we're being honest. And so I'm not saying it's all a, a monolith. I'm saying that, uh, you know, there's nobody who who's suffering in the world from the pandemic who doesn't know in their heart of hearts that the malign character and behavior of the CCP exacerbated their suffering to some extent, more or less. And when you add to that the sort of mask diplomacy, in other words, blackmailing people 
for masks, for their political ends, all the way up to the vaccine diplomacy, where they're literally holding shots and jabs over people's heads, demanding that they de-recognize Taiwan. In other words, they're threatening their lives uh, to advance their political agenda, which tells you all you need to know about the CCP that we're dealing with. And, you know, in the Biden team, there's a a, a debate going on between those people who, who agree with everything that I just said. Obviously, Kirk Campbell is one of them because he said it out loud. And some other people, you know, more business people and the Wall Street people and the Treasury people and the people who don't know the score, you know, and people who are just, you know, wrong, you know, and they think that, no, actually, we have to preserve some engagement. And if you can't engage on science, on science, what can you engage on? That should be the easiest thing. We're not even talking about 5G and AI and, you know what I mean? We're just talking about science. But, I mean, look around. How did How's that working out? So okay. help me with this then, Josh, because I'm I'm probably more of a hardline view than any of this. Mm, me too. I see this. I see this mindset where it's like you can compartmentalize. You can be like, okay, well, we're not going to work on semiconductors. That would be crazy. Right. We're not going to work on ra- uh, heavy rare earth metals. That would be nuts. But science, we can't not do science. Right. But arts exchanges, we can't not do arts exchanges. Well, here's the problem: when you do ban some stuff and you leave the th- other things open, the Chinese politicize everything. And look, that's part of their strategy. I forget the Mao quote um, that you have in your book, which is fantastic about how the war is fought on all fronts. Um, But this is vitally important to understand how they see their conceptions of power. All forms of entanglement are ways to enforce and advance the CCP. And once again, all good. But just for the tankies out there, we're not saying that we want to go to war with China by pointing this out. Only right. saying like, hey, I don't know if I want that in my country. You know, we're a free and open society. It seems very clearly that this is being exploited um, to their general political ends. So with the lab leak thing in our mind around science, which was supposed to be the innocuous thing, rise above, right? Like the Soviets and the U.S. working together on stuff. I don't know if it's frankly possible with a regime like China. And I think that this goes across all aspects of American life. Am I wrong? How should we consider this as a mental model? No, I think it's a really important question because what you're getting at is that, you know, we can't completely decouple with China. It's not going to work. Both of our countries are going to be where they are for the foreseeable future. And neither of our governments is going away anytime soon. And we have people-to-people connections that are crucial for making sure that we don't you know, live in a world where we can't deal with each other. You know, at the same time, we have we have to have a a na- national and probably an international conversation about what are the things that we need to protect, uh, given the fact that the Chinese Communist Party is becoming more internally repressive and more externally aggressive and in interfering in free and open societies more and more every day and exporting its authoritarian technologies and policies uh, all over the world, and that you know millions and millions of people are suffering. And, you know, and as human beings uh, with power and influence, we have a responsibility to, to stand up against that. And when you put all those things together, what you get is a very complex problem and a lot of compa- complex solutions. And, you know, when you talk about the lab leak theory, it, it, it is where when I actually talk to a lot of people who are even sort of comp- competition minded, they say, no, 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 we can't cut off the science because then the Chinese science world will become a black box. And then, you know, inevitably our our own science scientific endeavors will uh, suffer because in some areas of science, they're actually quite far ahead of us. And so we'd be disadvantaging ourselves. And to that, I say, well, 
okay, I understand that we have to have some nuance to our policy, and I'm all for that, but, you know, 600,000 Americans died uh, horrible deaths alone, you know, without any loved ones to comfort them in their final moments, and, uh, you know, so we're going to need to figure that out, first of all, and second of all, if that means that uh, we can't trust these Chinese scientists, then what, what, what else would have to happen? You know what I mean? Right. If the lab leak theories, what what would they have to do besides spark a pandemic and then cover it up and then tell us to go fuck ourselves to to let us know that the scientific collaboration is being abused on their end? And the other thing is that, you know, we have uh, my intelligence friends always tell me that the Chinese have a, a foolproof encryption system. They put things in their own language, you know, and then like Americans never, ever see them or read them, you know. <laughs> but what if you read what they say, they say that viruses are dual use technologies. And they say that science is a warfighting domain, and they say that they want to uh, have the best biotech and bioweapons uh, research programs in the world, and that's their strategic goal in their uh, national security interest. That's what they say. And what did Maya Angelou say? If someone tells you who they are, believe them. Mm -hmm. I believe the Chinese Communist Party when they tell me that they see science as a, a national security and strategic competition zone. I believe that. You know why? Because they said it. And and we're like, oh, no, no, please have all of our science. And, oh, by the way, you want some more money? And uh, don't worry about that pandemic in Wuhan. Uh, you know, we'll, 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 we'll cover that up. Don't, you know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. So I'm, I'm, you know, very saddened on a human level that science, scientific collaboration doesn't seem to be one of those areas that the Chinese Communist Party will set aside as in the mutual interest of humankind because it should be. But if they don't think that way, then we can't pretend that they think that way. So we want to hit two last things here. But I want to zoom back to something that a lot of listeners are probably going to find depressing, which is, as you stated, it really took a Biden administration, which we could have the whole policy debate, is at least aesthetically center-left moderate. Aesthetically. We're not debating individual right. policy. People always get mad when we say this, but we're being very precise no, about this. I think that's, that's exactly fair, the way to conceive enough. of it. Yeah. Does that mean the only way we can have rational conversations about public policies is when you have a very specific politician in a very specific context? Because that, because if we're talking about moving forward, what is something we can actually control? We can't control a Chinese lab, but we can control as politicians, podcasters, people in the media, etc., how we discourse and think about these types of problems. I don't think we could for a variety of reasons, guarantee we'll always have Joe Biden there to do a Joe Biden thing when he can. What should we learn from that experience? Is, is your question premised on the uh, assertion that we're having a constructive discussion about this now? Because that's not what I see. So I well, gotta, no, I gotta, so quick thing. Well, quick, yeah. quick thing. Let me better. Let me better. No one is getting canceled over this anymore. Over and the that last is, that, over yeah. the, that That is what I'm saying. I'm saying well, you can now even have. It's still early in the week. You know, like I don't see I don't see much progress. I have to be honest with you because, you know, I w I'm watching these newsrooms rewrite all their stories and they're they're still horrendous and they're still biased and they're still navel gazing and they're still, you know, dismissive of rational voices. You know how you know and I look at Congress and I see a lot of letters. I see zero hearings. How is it that like Robert Redfield? I keep bringing him up for some reason. Maybe it's because he's the guy who's I mean, the number one the person okay. in the <laughs> in the entire world who could shed some light on this, and who went on national television 
to say that he had something to say, and then everyone ignored him for the next five months, you know. And tried to uh, cancel him. Don't forget that. Tried know. to cancel him. Yeah. And why isn't he testifying in Congress right now? Okay, why, how is that okay? Today I, I wrote a story for the Post that you guys didn't bring up about the Wuhan military games in oh, 2019. Please. Go ahead. Yeah. So the story basically said that in October 2019, 9,000 athletes went to Wuhan for the, like, the, the military Olympics, basically. Xi Jinping was there. It was like a very proud event. And they had like, you know, they, they, they went all out for the production. And dozens of them got really sick with what they were convinced were COVID-like symptoms either there or upon their return. <clears throat> Italy, Germany, France, Luxembourg, Canada, all had athletes who were like, I'm 100% sure I got... These are military athletes in peak physical condition. Were American came athletes home. there? There were 300 American athletes there. <clears throat> and what I wrote about... And none of them were ever tested. Even to this day, they've never been tested for antibodies. And I hear from some... I haven't heard from American athletes. That I, 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 I'm pretty sure I will, but I've heard from athletes from other countries... Uh, uh, other Western countries who, who called me and said, Josh, uh, I got sick for three weeks. I still can't smell. You know, my dad and my son also got sick. You know, no, I tried to get antibody tests that, you know, I'm in the military. I can't speak out. You know what I mean? These are military members. They, most of them can't go on TV and say this happened. Yet dozens of stories poured out. There's never been an investigation. And, you know, I talked to like Trump administration officials like, oh, we never even thought of that. I'm like, you never thought of that. <laughs> I'm like, what? They're like, oh, yeah, thanks for bringing that to my... I'm like, thanks to me for bringing that to your attention? 18 months later, I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm talking about, like, senior, senior Trump people, right? It's not a good story wow. for the Trump people either, because I was like, how come you guys didn't test it? Why don't you test them now? You know, it's not perfect. Yeah, it's been 18 antibodies. months, right. <laughs> I know, but but imagine what how, what about the outbreaks that happened at those bases that they all came back? They all came back through Seattle. 300 Americans came back through Seattle. Is it that a, what, what another Wait, coincidence? Yeah, that was literally the very first one, December, right? December twenty. Oh my god! And now there's wow. more and more evidence that the timeline is going backwards. You know that we're finding like there was an intelligence report that the sick researchers went to the hospital in November, right? Yes. So that means that it wasn't December; it was November. Robert Redfield again hate to bring up the guy who knows the most as a source. Apologize, please don't cancel me <laughs> for invoking the man who was the head of the CDC during the outbreak. <laughs> Who's seen all the intelligence and he was a, a world-class virologist. The only one. You know uh, what Peter Daszak is? He's a zoologist. Is it, is, is it, does that surprise you that he spent the last year and a half looking for palm civets and right. pangolins and raccoon dogs? You know what I mean? Not finding any. Zero raccoon dogs. No evidence of a natural spillover theory that I've ever seen. Have you ever seen any direct evidence that it spilled over in nature? Zero. No, zero. Actually, what is the current? What, what is, None. Isn't it? Yeah, no, the current no minks, theory, though, for these No people. cats, no civets. Yeah, it oh, was like we just packaging or something. It was like no, it jumped on the, the packaging. Oh. The Chinese government tried to sell this bullshit that, like, it came in on the frozen food package. <laughs> but no, that they got laughed out of the room for that one. So the Dazic thing is like, oh, no, we have to go look for more palm civets and pangolins in more caves. Eventually, we're going to find one. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, good luck. I say they should do that. I want them to do that. I would love for Peter Dazic to spend the next 10 years looking for raccoon dogs. Meanwhile, someone else is going to have to look into these labs and someone else is also going to have to look into our labs and nobody's doing it. So I'm, I, maybe I'm a pessimist. You know, I don't see the, 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 the great change in the conversation that you're alluding to. So I can't credit it to Joe Biden. I credit him for the thing that he did, which was to, to initiate a new investigation, but I'm not even sure that that's going to be worth sh shit either because, you know, they've got 90 days. Why 
you know, a 90 day sprint. Why are you sprinting? Don't sprint. Just take your time. Like do the investigation. It's important. And then they're going to come back and they'll be like, oh, we can't figure it out. I guess that's that. And I am, mm. as they're doing it, I'm going to all of my, you know, sources and all the, the, the parts of the, of the government that I know have this information. And I keep asking them, Hey, have the, have the Biden people come to ask you what's what? Did they, have you gotten a knock? No, I don't, we don't know. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? So they never went to USA. They never went to NIH. They're, how could, if they're not investigating the NIH, then why not? Like, it seems pretty clear that they're hiding something. So what's going on? You know, and it's just the Intel weenies pouring, sucking down donuts and pouring over the, 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 the computer stuff that they have been sitting on for 18 months. And if they find the smoking gun there, then great. But if they don't, you know, that's, that can't be the end. In other words, there's no statute of limitations on 3.5 million dead, deaths. Okay. This is never going away. And those people who are wishing it away, including Anthony Fauci and Peter Daszak and Francis Collins, are going to have to come to the realization that the families of those three million people are never going to stop wanting to know why their loved ones were taken from them, nor should they. Mm-hmm. And someone, and it's not about suing the Chinese or blaming the Chinese. It's about because it implicates us. It implicates our system. It implicates our labs. It implicates our officials. Our lack of oversight and our lack of uh, caution and our lack of foresight in understanding if the lab leak theory is true that you know there are some limits to what we can what we should do in science and then there are some uh, new uh, measures that are going to be needed to oversee all these scientists because letting them oversee themselves did not work out even if we can't prove it we've identified a risk even if we de- you never get one more piece of evidence. We know that this system is broken. We know that we, these Chinese lives can't be trusted. We know that our NIH uh, oversight is crap. That's what we know right now. So we're going to have to fix that anyway. And I don't see any of that getting talked about, except on this show. So that's why you have an optimistic view, because you know, you're listening to the Realignment podcast, and you're getting a higher class of information than the average news viewer. That's true. Last Big question here, which I'm actually very curious of your opinion, because you pretty much said this in the earlier section on media failures, but the biggest implications here for me really are for content moderation, Facebook, Twitter, the whole fact-checking industry as a whole, as a segment of whole media institutions that was incredibly popular and well-funded the last four years. At the same time, though, you still work at The Post we are still people who get the benefits of independence, but we're not just totally burn everything down. So you're not some substacker who's incentivized to say, oh yeah, like everyone lied to you and Facebook should just be able to post whatever. No, like that's, I don't think that's any of our positions here. How, what is basically the more centrist case for what should be done here? Because like I'm pro content moderation that pisses people off, but I am, Hmm. but this, I feel like what happened here over the past 18 months is one of the strongest cases against basically the status quo. It's not some weird racist who gets deplatformed. It's people at social media companies who had absolutely no idea what they were talking about using fact-checking, who also had no idea what it was talking about, had all their other incentives there too. It feels like this was just a total crapshoot. And I just am trying to figure out, because I actually don't have a position yet, what this means for moving forward. Yeah, I think it's a great question. You know, when it comes to sort of social media uh, uh, censorship of, of of news articles from different outlets, I, I think that's clearly gone way too far. Uh, I think that uh, 
you know, there's no doubt that these decisions are being made by these companies, including articles of mine that were like, I had this political excerpt of my book that got banned on Facebook. And wow. I was like, wait a second, that's in Politico. And yeah. it was about the Wuhan labs. And then they unbanned it. And then they banned it again. And then they unbanned it. And I, and I, and, uh, you know, I, and I, I, because I'm working the Washington Post, I at least had the opportunity to like request an unbanning. You know what I mean? And it worked. But then they banned it again and then they unbanned it again. So it was like it, it became clear to me that that uh, that system is arbitrary and and, uh, you know, is not working well and that whatever standards they're using are, are, are insufficient. I also thought during the Hunter Biden uh, uh, scandal that the 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 banning of of news articles by major publications was ridiculous. Uh, you know, so I don't, I, I don't know what the fix is. I, I, I think the bottom line is that. You know, we can't have these uh, tech executives uh, in charge of it. It's not a it's not a, a tech executive function. It's a unfortunately a government function. Right. At some point, the rules are going to have to be agreed upon and hopefully in a bipartisan way uh, and then legislated so that we all know what they are. And our our my belief is that our our, our negligence as a government, as a Congress and as a, you know, to 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 to. To, to take on that very difficult task and to, which will require a lot of hard work and bipartisanship has left it to these tech guys who don't want that responsibility and who are terrible at it because they don't know the score because they don't understand well, 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 what they're doing because they're quick not up on qualified this, yeah. to tell us what the news is you know mm -hmm. and you know should the newspapers have a role in that yeah i guess so because the news organizations do play a gatekeeper role and you know and does it have to be a mix because now news sources are more diverse than ever of course you know and I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't have the solution. I just know that uh, I've personally experienced that. Uh, you know, letting tech executives pick which news is news is just is it's terrible. It's, it's, it, we have to come up with let a better me, system. Let me ask you a better version of the question to close out okay. because I get what you're saying about how we don't want tech executives doing this, but like this is the space that Sagar and I study. I can just tell you that the reason why there isn't like government doing something about this isn't because people and i'm not saying you're saying this but this is the cliche is it's not that people aren't willing to do the work it's that actually the left and right are fundamentally in disagreement on this point um there are plenty of people center left to left who are much more in favor of aggressive content moderation there are plenty of people on the left center left to like left who say actually the problem during COVID was that we didn't censor enough. And there are people on the right who hold the much more libertarian position. So I think it's really important that people really think about this and understand that there's not going to be a consensus on this issue for a very long time because every single one of these pressure points has been created to create culture war stalemates. As long yeah. as this debate is about Alex Jones versus the New York Times, I don't think there's going to be consensus. So it seems I mean, for now. Yeah, go yeah. on, please. Yeah, well, count me as a uh, a center left moderate who believes in less <laughs> oversight and less mo content moderation and less censorship. Okay, there's like twelve so, of you guys. I mean, well, I'm just saying, <laughs> as a news yeah. consumer, here I am, center left moderate, and don't censor my news because I'm against right. authoritarians wherever they show themselves. Okay, as a small L liberal, okay, that we should have freedom of speech and freedom of discourse. Not it, not imposed by the government, in, in, except in extreme circumstances. So again, that's kind of, that's why I think like when I talk about the lab leak theory, it I hope it 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 communicates to people that I actually have no agenda, that I'm not on any side, and that and I'm just trying to do the reporting and my genuine desire, both as a journalist and as a human be as an and as a human being, is to 
advance the cause of uncovering the truth about how 600,000 Americans died. And that is my only uh, uh, objective. And I'm not on any one, at one of these teams. And that's the approach that I took to writing the book, Chaos Under Heaven, Trump, She, and the Battle for the 21st Century, is that you know, at some point, we have to come together as Americans and as human beings to uh, figure out what happened in the pandemic and then more broadly come up with a, a path towards uh, dealing with this once in a generation, maybe once in a lifetime challenge, the challenge of a, a mafia organization that runs the biggest country in the world and that wishes us harm and that won't even help us in the middle of a pandemic. And that's that, you know, if 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 I have any contribution to, to make, it's that to say that, hey, listen, I understand how we got here. I understand the media wars. I'm, I've, I've been in the middle of them for 17 years. Uh, but this is not a political question. This is an urgent national security and public health question. And it could be the thing that brings us together. Just think of it this way, if you want an optimistic end to this interview, which is rare for me. <laughs> it, just think, if, if, if you had that Democrat and Republican uh, unity to say, it doesn't matter what you thought in 2020. It doesn't matter whether you like Trump. We have to investigate all the possible scenarios yes. for how we got into this pandemic. Well, that's not two realities. That's one reality. That's not two, you know, uh, perspectives on 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 what's going on. No, that's the thing that we, is in all of our interests. That every American should be able to get wrap their heads around that. Uh, you know, we have to figure out how we got here, and we have to figure out what that means, both for our response and for our interactions with the world. I'm not saying it's going well, but I'm saying that that. You know, like, you know, just be, we can curse the darkness of our broken media environment or we can light this candle and find the uh, uh, the burning point. No, I'm just kidding. Find the solution to our pandemic yes. and prevent the next one at the same time. First well step said, is Josh. to listen to the Realignment podcast because that's right. That's where real things get discussed, unlike on, <laughs> you know, a lot of other outlets that I won't mention. And it's also why you should uh, read my book. Well, uh, I'm glad you got that last plug in there, so I can do just <laughs> one more five. chaos under heaven. Five which is, look, is that the it's record? A fantastic. This book. is this is this is the record. But I, wait, yeah. actually, quick thing: you do definitely have the record for the no biggest number of books sold. It, you know what's yeah. fascinating on this? You, your book, um, Chaos Under Heaven, and 2034. Those were the two. But those are the two biggest selling Huge books we've episodes. had. So people, people yeah. have been. It's actually we've we've actually sold like it, it's crazy how many of these books we've sold. Um, well, so definitely go check them out, people. Yeah, you're Everybody great Americans. I don't care what anyone realignment. Uh, join your realignment. Tag Josh on Instagram. He also has a hilarious. Um, what, what is it? Watch and ramen. I've been following. Um, it's called Watch the Ramen on Instagram. Right. It's where uh, it's I review uh, ramen shops, famous ramen shops all over the world, and luxury timepieces as well. Yeah. Well, I, I actually really discordant like it. Branding. I, I, I didn't appreciate the really discordant branding. Here. It's like psycho I don't think it's and, and, uh, it's I like like psycho and then ramen, which is really cool. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's there's nothing else like together. it out there. Nothing Never else like it out there. Never been done appreciate it, Josh. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the episode, guys. We really appreciate it. Go ahead and check out our Realignment Substack or Bookshop, which is all in the show notes. As a reminder, if you want to ask a question, go ahead and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And we also accept questions at realignmentpod at gmail.com. Huge thank you to everyone who tuned in. Be sure to share. And of course, a big, big, big thank you to Lincoln Network for supporting our work. We'll see you all next time.